Welcome to the Black Mind Garden, the podcast that helps you retrain your brain so that you can have improved emotional, behavioral, and communication flexibility while you tackle life's daily challenges and opportunities. In this podcast, we plant new seeds that remap your mind and expand your listening by helping you to retrain that inner voice that sometimes stops us from producing the unimaginable results in our lives. So sit back. It's time to retrain your brain. And I am your host and trainer, Dr. Maisha. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another week, another episode of the Black Mind Garden Live podcast where we are remapping minds to create a life you design. And I'm so excited. Um, you know, today, uh, a friend, a colleague, and a uh, a coach, a mindset coach and trauma expert, frankly, is with me today. And I'm excited to have this conversation. We are talking about recognizing and addressing trauma in the workplace with Dr. Melissa Hankins. Um, Dr. Hankins is, she's an executive and mindset coach for physicians and high-performing leaders and a trauma-informed EFT tapping practitioner, which we will be getting into. Um, And so thank you so much, Dr. Melissa. Thank you so much for being here with me today. How are you today? I am great. I am just so excited to be here. I love, I always love sitting down and and chatting with you, Aisha. We have the best conversations. (laughs) It is. We do. We're so in sync. And so it's just lovely to come on and and have this conversation with you and share it with your audience. Yeah. Well, I always like to, you know, allow my audiences to get to know my guests. And since, you know, in, in a different in a different um, podcast, you, you were with me, but this is a new audience. So talk to us about like, you know, just who you are, what you do, your, a little bit of your journey to coming to what you're doing now. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So uh, as you mentioned, I am currently uh, a mindset and and really executive coach for physicians and high performers. And uh, I came to that from a space of first being a physician, a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So I'm a Harvard trained psychiatrist and practiced clinically for almost 17 years. Uh, and, uh, and really went through my own massive burnout as so many of us have, uh, and are going through now, um, certainly both as physicians, but also in all kinds of spaces, workspaces, and this is not something unique to healthcare by any stretch. And we see it throughout all kinds of, uh, corporate spaces and, uh, and elsewhere. And so but I really, I did go through my own burnout and, and uh, to the point where I actually felt like, wow, my son would be better off without me. So my burnout really shifted into a depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and uh, I ended up taking a leave of absence from my job at the, at that point. And, and I thought I was going to be out for a couple of weeks and I turned out, turned, uh, it was, 10 months that I was at before I eventually resigned. But during that time, I really poured into myself for the first time ever Mm -hmm. and did a lot of internal healing and just growing and just being connecting with who the truth of who I am. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and also during that time, well, I guess a little bit before that time, I had no, and I didn't want to stay in clinical medicine forever. And I had become certified as an executive coach. And uh, I wasn't sure what to do with that at that mm. point. My, my organization didn't either. This was at a time when physician coaching wasn't a thing yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. So, so they were like, oh, yeah, great. Put it on your resume. That's nice. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> what do you want us to do with that? Right, right. Because I'm like, here, I can help. You know, I can help, you know, in leadership in, in, in these ways. Yeah, no. So <laughs> it was not well received. <laughs> yes, I remember those days. <laughs> right, right. And so, and also during that time, during my journey, my kind of evolving journey, I really was, I was always a different kind of psychiatrist anyway. I was mm-hmm. a very 
mind body centered before also that was a thing and so i you know i guess you know i was on the the forefront of so many of these things and and i discovered eft which stands for emotional freedom techniques or tapping uh, uh and because we're actually tapping on parts of the 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 body yeah. and uh and i loved it i fell in love with it and so i really i got trained up in that and i've been doing that for for uh over 10 years and so with uh with all of that how i came to have my own coaching business and transition out of medicine um, after my medical leave, I eventually returned to another clinical position as a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And, and I was bringing in some of the EFT actually into mm -hmm. my work with patients mm -hmm. and some of my uh, colleagues in healthcare and behavioral health were amazed. They would sit on in some of the meetings with patients and they'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Can you do that with us, Dr. Hankins? And so I started doing some uh, lunchtime group tapping and kind of coaching, oh. you know, to support the staff. And, yeah. and then people start to approach me for some individual work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how my, my business really blossomed. And, mm -hmm. and now I coach and do EFT and I incorporate that to my coaching full time. And uh, I, I really, I, I love it. So I do that. I do some speaking um, around the areas of trauma, actually in coaching. And I'm also faculty for a coach training organization. So I'm doing a few different things. You, you're doing a few things. Like going viral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was that. That was, that was pretty awesome. That was, that was uh, pretty fun, right? But, you know, yeah, yeah, it hit the nerve. Um, and uh, yeah, so it just to clue your audience in what what we're referring to, so we don't have this inside joke. Absolutely, that, absolutely. Yeah, there was an article that I wrote uh, in March, end of March, uh, around the slap. Yes, the, the Oscar slap, the Will Smith slap um, last year. And it uh, it was really looking at the slap through a trauma lens, and mm -hmm. and and looking at it as being a trauma response. And and it wasn't just about the slap, although that was the vehicle, the you know primary vehicle to Correct. start this discussion in the article. But yeah. but what really it was was um, being able to uh, talk about how trauma can show up in all of us and trauma responses that we all can have in and uh and it doesn't have to be as egregious or violent or obvious as some sort of violent act yeah like turn up in base workaholism perfectionism these types of things that we're more likely to see in the workplace yeah yeah and and so I would love it if you uh, if you would include that when we um, I, I don't know if you included that in the information you sent me with the show for the show notes, oh. but I would love for people to be able to read that article uh, because it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I remember when it came across my feed, and I, I just you know like spot on about trauma and, and in the workplace. So, so yeah, definitely make sure I get the, the link to that so that I can include that in the show, yes. show notes for people to go in and check out. Um, so as we're talking about uh, trauma and how it shows up, I think it's useful to have this conversation. You kind of led into it. Like, I think a lot of people think that when we talk about trauma, it's the big stuff. It's the you know, physical assault, or it's a war, or it's, you know, something huge that happened. And that is one aspect. But the part of trauma that we don't always look at is the small, repetitive, ongoing trauma. Um, and so yeah. I'd love to, to distinguish that, have you distinguish that with us. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you're absolutely right. People hear the word trauma and there's this automatic association, almost visceral reaction. And like, mm -hmm. no, no, that's not me. I haven't been in a war. I haven't been in a major car accident. I haven't been abused. You know, and mm -hmm. those are people's associations with trauma. And, and 
automatic of a doubt. Uh, and we call those big T traumas. Now, there are little T traumas, and there are also these kind of, you know, significant emotional events that we can have um, yes. over time that build up. And, and uh, oftentimes these happen in our childhood and they create the blueprint for how we then show up in our adult lives. Mm -hmm. and, and so some of these things, uh, some of the, the ways that they might take root or these uh, negatively, uh, these negative uh, significant emotional experiences that we have can be things like being uh, constantly criticized, you know, uh, as, as children by, by well-meaning parents. Uh, uh, oftentimes our parents are well-meaning and they want the best for us, but yet they're, they're like, okay, well, no, you've got to do it this way. Maybe they have their own anxiety or perfectionism that they're trying to deal with. And so, so it kind of spills out over onto the child, you know, and, and so that can show up as adults of um, not wanting to take risks or not wanting or having to be perfect um, yourself or having this kind of anxiety around, uh, um, even speaking up or or trying something new, stepping out of your comfort zone. Uh, mm -hmm. Things can also happen where we're being told as children, well, no, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to do that. Uh, you know, you have to be on your best behavior. You know, mm -hmm. we're going over to, to grandma's house or whatever, and you better, you know, uh, do everything your elders tell you to do, you know, all of these kinds of things, right? Or don't mm -hmm. back to me. So that gets internalized as children of, okay, as adults, we might become people pleasing or having uh, difficulty setting our own boundaries or even mm -hmm. speaking up in a meeting, feeling we're going to be ridiculed. And this doesn't all happen from our parents or caregivers. It can happen in school settings as kids and being made fun of or laughed at if we make a mistake in a classroom, you know, and if a teacher calls on us. So, so types of things help or form for us as children. Uh, it impacts our sense of safety that we, yeah. we don't feel safe. And that's the bottom line of trauma. We, we're not feeling safe. We feel somehow mm -hmm. threatened in, in, in oftentimes a life-threatening kind of way. And, and I want to qualify that because something that feels life-threatening for an adult um, uh, may not, or something that feels life-threatening for a child may not feel life-threatening for an adult mm -hmm. because adults, we have more resources. We, we, right. know we can do things. We can get out of a situation. We yep. can speak up, but children, they don't have that ability. And, mm -hmm. and so what they rely on their caregivers, they rely on people around them, the adults to create that sense of safety and love and belonging. And if that feels in any way jeopardized or threatened, a child will morph themselves to whatever needs to be, um, however they need to show up to have the adults around them show them love or a protection or not yell or seem happy or calm and and that can be how we then form our blueprint of this is how i'm supposed to show up in in all spaces as adults and we don't even realize it because it's a subconscious program it's our default right and uh so that's a problem yeah Absolutely. I love how you broke that down. I mean, there were so many, so many pearls in there. And, and, you know, like one of the things that came up is, is the fact that when you said um, something that feels threatening to a, 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 a child would not feel the same way to an adult because of resources. But then in that child you know, when that gets sort of programmed in this threat, this, this threat gets programmed into the brain, then it becomes an automatic response. And so that's where we get these sort of um, these automatic 
you know, sort of trauma responses is because, you know, when, when, if, if a teacher calls on you or, if, you know, someone's made, made fun of you, or if, um, or if like, let's, let's say even later on, like these things that are reinforced, like in our training in the, in the medical training, the type of repetitive criticism and repetitive trauma that we experience, um, can, can get programmed in. So it, so we, then we begin to have these automatic responses to things that feel, um, are perceived as threats to our, like either physical or mental or emotional or even social harm. Right. And so, um, then, then, then we have the response that we have. And I think that oftentimes when people can't recognize what the trauma response looks like, then it gets, it gets coded from the, 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 the recipient or the listeners in as something else, which also can be a big problem and is happening so often in the workplace today. It's interesting. I was just having just, just a, a conversation just before our our podcast um, with a, a doc who the conversation was, um, if I don't work five days a week, then I must be lazy. And I was just thinking about that mm. as sort of, this is, the, this is the impact of small repetitive trauma of someone beating into your mind. Oh, if you don't do it this way, then that means creating this sort of equivalent of, you know, working less than what the societal norm for uh, a 40 hour of a 40 hour work week is, and then equivalating, not doing that with being with a negative uh, self uh, image. And so that's just one, it's an, it's an internalized conversation, um, Mm -hmm. but it's still an impact as well, you know? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I'm so glad you brought that up about, you know, medical training in particular, uh, because as physicians, one of the things that, you know, I really like in our, as physicians, we come into a very unnatural environment. I mean, Mm -hmm. we are not, it's not natural to be surrounded with, okay, saving lives. I mean, the the most equivalent kind of scenario is is the military right and we've mm-hmm. we've heard this before but mm-hmm. but that we are in situations where we're we're putting our hands inside people's body cavities for surgeries yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. not a normal thing you know by mm-hmm. most people's mm-hmm. standards where um you know people's lives are dependent on us and so yeah. we're in this Oh my God, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. And Mm -hmm. so we're already in this very activated state of, you know, our stress response is so elevated. And, Mm -hmm. and so we, we rely on the people around us, the, the elders, if you will, the attendings, all of the people who are teaching us of how we're supposed to show up. And oftentimes they have untreated stress and trauma. And so, you know, this is perpetuated, right? And so yes. we get the, the being yelled at, you mm-hmm. know, we get the being, you know, um, ridiculed or, or um, you know, pimping, uh, you know, being asked so many questions and mm-hmm. because you have to get it right. Or if you, if you take a day off, um, because you are actually really sick. I mean, how many times we all have stories of either ourselves or colleagues we've seen who have been on. I remember in my internship here, another intern, a co-intern on the floor with an IV pole for himself with mm-hmm. IV hanging, you know, doing his rounds, you know? Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. because we're not allowed to, to, to take any time for ourselves. There's the conditioning, just as you said, of how we're supposed supposed to show up. And if we don't, then it's a weakness. We're lazy. um, Or some of there's something wrong with us. It's not wrong with the system, wrong with us. 
right? And so imagine, imagine that this is being programmed, trained into our neurological systems, into our bodies, into every cell of our bodies. You know, you, you talked about, I love that you said this, like this sort of constantly activated. And I know that happens in the, in the healthcare system, but it's also happening across the board, as you know, right? It's happening. There's like this, 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 um, vicarious trauma that's happening from watching, from all of the, the, the violence that we're seeing, uh, out in the world. There is, you know, in certain industries, like in a, a law, law, um, attorneys, like the, the, I guess that that's the law industry. <laughs> Industry is that for attorneys and then a, and yes, and, <laughs> yeah, legal, that. the legal industry, legal, yes. legal. That's yeah. like, I'm like, I'm like, it's not law enforcement, that's different. Legal, the legal industry, that's kind of our sister industry. Um, you know, the, the, the DEI consultants inside of organizations that are getting bombarded with, with you know, there's just so many different types of, um, small repetitive traumas that put us in this activated, constantly activated state, right? This, and, and then this is what our body is being programmed to do, to be in this, this constant hypervigilant state. And then, then what can we do, but take that, it, it sort of bleeds into personal life. It bleeds into parenting. It bleeds into like everything. Because we've programmed it, and now it's like we can't turn on. We don't. We haven't. Yeah, if yeah. we're not conscious of it, we can't t- switch the button, the off button. We haven't. If we don't have the tools and resources, which is what I love about what you do, right? So what I'll say about this thing we talked about. You know, this is like what the the body is 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 programmed as the body is programmed to do. Now imagine that that's what's happening. And so now imagine you have two people. You have two people who have this sort of unrecognized um, trauma, and they're 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 both operating inside of this automatic trauma response, right? But neither one recognizes that as such in the other, and so you know when you when you when you don't recognize. Uh, when you're unable to recognize your own trauma responses, you're certainly not able to recognize it in others. And then you have hurting people, hurting people. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, you know, when people are interacting with each other, how can they begin to recognize trauma response in themselves? Um, And how do they begin to question if they're interacting with others? I think, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this and and I'd love for you to address it. But I feel like before we can recognize the trauma response in others, we need to be able to recognize it in ourselves. So I'd love for you to just, you know, share on that. So what I'll I'll start the conversation. I do think that as we are, if we are going to recognize what trauma response looks like in others, we have to start to recognize in in ourselves. I think this is oftentimes where um, emotional intelligence. At what some people call emotional intelligence, I like to call emotional awareness and, and fluency come into play. So one of the first places that I think that we need to begin to look at is feeling like what when when something someone says something because we not we may not be able to access what the emotion per se is in that moment, right? So if we are, um, if if let's say someone says something or, or uh, does something. The first, I think that the first place, let's say someone, they um, say something or some, there's a, there's, someone does something. And the first place we often feel it is in our bodies. And I think that we're, you know, for some of us who are, who uh, have a hard time sometimes connecting to emotion, it can be difficult to initially identify what that emotion is. And so if you, so, and and I can speak personally, I can speak from personal experience that there was a time where I would feel things, but I wouldn't know how to categorize it emotionally. And for me, that was actually very uncomfortable because people will always ask, well, what's wrong? And, uh, and, and, 
and I wouldn't, or what, what, how are you feeling or what's wrong? And, and I wouldn't be able to say exactly. So we have this, this whole sympathetic response, fight, 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 flight, freeze or fawn. And I would be a person that because I would always felt the pressure to respond, i.e. our training that we talked about, that um, I would freeze. And so for a long time, I couldn't, I, I didn't identify emotions. I couldn't identify emotions. It was very challenging. And, um, and so like, that was a problem for me. Now, at some point I realized that um, it was okay for there to be the space between the emotion that showed up and me being able to identify it. And so, and so um, that it was, it was very helpful for me to learn that, but, but beginning to recognize that, that sort of like activated response or that trauma response to myself first came with recognizing a feeling in my body. And then at that point, identifying, oh, okay, there's a feeling. It's okay if I can't label that feeling with an emotion, um, but I know it's a feeling and maybe there's something that's off. I love what you were saying just now about, you know, connecting with your body in terms of mm -hmm. really understanding, are you activated? What's, what's mm -hmm. going on? Are you experiencing a trauma response? Because mm -hmm. we often, we may not have the language yeah. for it. Right. But if we allow ourselves to tune into our bodies, you know, then we get communicate. Our bodies are constantly communicating with us. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of us listening to the messages that we're getting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and giving ourselves some, I think, grace, some grace with um, labeling. I think as we practice being in our bodies and, and as we, you know, for me, I use a, I, I still, to this day, will pull out a feelings chart. Right. Now I'm, I've, yeah. I've expanded my, lexicon of feelings a lot more since I first used a feelings chart. But I think that there's yes. such um, shame built into not knowing exactly what to say or not knowing exactly what it is. And like the, what I gotta, I gotta pull out a feelings chart, which is why I don't exactly like the word emotional intelligence. I like emotional awareness and fluency mm -hmm. because it implies that people have different levels mm -hmm. of fluency. But um, when, when, you know, I often say like, eventually if you're feeling a thing and you can look at the, this is what we do with kids. What are you feeling? Because if you have been yeah. emotionally oppressed and suppressed for a period of time in your life, you get disconnected from what those are. Or if you had people in your life who could, did not model that emotional influence, that, that emotional fluency, then you wouldn't have picked it up. So if all your whole mother or father or caretaker's lexicon was mad, sad, happy, guilty, you know, hurt, you got five, that's five things, fear, afraid, you got five things, that's all you got. But there's like the whole spectrum. So just like really beginning to practice this, you know, where you feel activated. Okay, yes, I feel activated, right? What am I feeling? Well, pull out the feelings chart. Then to start to then you can start to go into mm -hmm. the what is it about? Now that's 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 a, that could be a whole other conversation. But that's sort of like that when you're recognizing something's happening, like just just the recognition of it sometimes is the biggest part. Like, ooh, okay, I'm something's going on right now. Maybe it's, I need to step away. Right to have that awareness and a really uh, lovely uh, uh, feelings chart that uh, I sometimes use with clients that I really like is Mark Brackett's um, mood meter. So psychologist out of Yale. And, uh, and so he has, so Dr. Mark Brackett has done a lot of work in this. Um, and it's actually in, in uh, some schools, 
throughout the country. Uh, uh, there's a program and I'm blanking on the name of the program exactly, but they use this to help uh, teachers and students kind of check in with where they are. And one of the mm -hmm. things that I really love about this a mood meter, and by the way, there is a, uh, I know it's on uh, Apple, but I don't, it, yeah. it's probably on Android as well. Uh, you know, an app that it's a free app. Uh, there are some, you know, uh, purchases that you can make around it. And, but, right. but, and I'm not an affiliate. I just really like this particular. I have, <laughs> you know, I have the and, mood meter. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I, I was drawn to the beautiful, bright colors of it. Yes. So there's, you know, a red and a blue and a yellow and a green section. And it's really one of the things that I really like about it is that it it has along its x and y axis uh, um, axes a, uh, a low to high pleasantness pleasantness uh, for for and then a low to high intensity so it helps mm -hmm. you begin and it has in in each section it has several different words that are emotions and and it it begins to help you learn, oh, okay, angry. Well, maybe I'm not angry. Maybe I'm irritated or maybe I'm annoyed. And, mm -hmm. and it helps you to learn the, how intense, like anger is more, more intense emotion than say annoyed. And, and anger might feel more unpleasant than, than uh, annoyed or, you know, so, mm -hmm. so beginning to have different ways of developing for yourself. Uh, I think is is really important. So having these different tools around it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and I really love, you know, this app, uh, the Mood Meter, because it's you know it's like, right, right, have easy access. You know, you don't have to like before before the app, I had to go and like pull out my paper that I had printed out, and <laughs> so now you know you could just right whatever you're doing, you just like tap that app. And you can you can look yeah. and see like on the spectrum of each major emotion, each color, where are you uh, and what the intensity is of that. And I think, you know, when we can begin to do this with ourselves, then we it, it expands our listening. So when we're actually speaking with others, we can be more trauma informed. And so if someone else is 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 upset, then we can look at, oh, they're activated by something. They're feeling a certain way and we can have compassion for that. And maybe, you know, if, if it's, if the time is right, look, ask, like, you know, I see that you are, or it seems like you are, you know, and then ask like, what is it? Mm -hmm. you know, and that, what that does is it opens the dialogue because most of the time people really just want to be heard and acknowledged and seen yeah. and it yes. opens the dialogue. Yes. Now, it's not always possible to do it that way. I'll, I'll want to acknowledge that. And it's not always safe to do it that way, right? Especially if two people mm -hmm. are activated. But it's a way that when we right. begin to recognize it, if we're able to self-regulate, which we're about to move into in just a moment, because I really want uh, you to talk a little bit more about what you do with the tapping and even do a little demo, mm -hmm. if you will. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. When we can, yeah, so when we can self-regulate, then it allows us to listen more compassionately and more in a more trauma-informed way and speak in a more trauma-informed, a trauma-responsive way with our with the people we're interacting with. So, right, so talk to us about right. how you do this, how you help clients um, to move through those activated moments. Right. So, you know, as, as you said, it, it really is learning to be, uh, become more aware. And I think we are so much in a society where, where we're afraid to be in our bodies, to be present in our mm -hmm. bodies because of so much cumulative trauma and collective trauma mm -hmm. and individual trauma that we may have experienced. And so when I have clients who maybe are activated in the moment, uh, uh, they come in and they're, they're really heated or upset about something, you know, before we can actually do the work of coaching, we have to actually, I have to get them present because when, when they're so heated, they're either in the past or in the future. They're not present in the room with me. 
right? And so it's about how to get them grounded in their bodies. And so while there are ways around breathing and and getting centered that way, which is really connecting with your breath and, and feeling that, that's really important. One of the ways that I work with people, of course, is the tapping, so emotional freedom techniques. And, mm-hmm. and when people are in that state, they're so actually connected with their emotions, even if they can't label it. They're all right. already connected. So yeah. we, we utilize that. But in order for them to think things through, we have to help regulate the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I do is a kind of orienting tapping. And and we can do that right now. We can take a few minutes to just do that. Wow, um, cool. And uh, it's, it's something that you can do really anytime, even at work, if you want to go in, if you don't want to do it in front of people, because you are tapping on parts of your body and people, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I do it, I do it everywhere, but, but I'm used to it. I've been doing it for 10 years. Some people might be like, yeah, I don't want to do that in front of people. So, right. <laughs> so you can go in in the bathroom, or you can go in your office, or you can just choose one point and just use it. But what we're going to do now is we're going to tap through um, the the nine basic tapping points, and that's the side of the hand, and you could do the left or the right, the top of the head, the eyebrow, left or right, the side of the eye, this bone on the side of your eye, left or right, um, under your eye, the bone under your eye, um, under your nose, your chin, the crease in your chin, not the bottom of your chin, your collarbone and under your arm, um, about four inches. So, so, um, if I just, uh, and you can, you don't have to say anything. I'm going to just kind of do a couple of minutes of tapping. So, uh, just tap on the side of your hand and just kind of notice what that feels like. It's kind of, you can keep your eyes open or closed um, in this moment uh, and just kind of notice the tapping there. You don't have to tap hard. And then we're gonna go to the top of the head. And we're gonna just tap on the top of your head. And kind of, now you can open your eyes if they were closed and just kind of look around the room. Do you see any things on the wall? Are you in front of a What color are the walls? Kind of noticing that. And then moving to your eyebrow. And noticing, just become aware of your breath. You don't have to change how you're breathing. Just notice going in and out of your lungs and feel your chest rising. And then move to the side of your eye and notice if you're sitting on uh, are your feet connecting with the floor if you're standing notice how you're standing what kind of stance are you having and just being aware of that in your body and where it is in relation to the floor and then under your eye and just Becoming aware of your breath again, and maybe taking a breath in, maybe a little deeper than you did before. And notice it filling your lungs and slowly breathing out. Yeah, and then under your nose. And then notice if you're hearing anything. Are you hearing anything around you? Like me right now, I hear the little whirring of my computer motor, my laptop. I heard a plane go by outside. (laughs) Just notice what you're noticing and hearing and move to the chin. And notice your breath again. This time, maybe try and take a breath in and pull it down into your belly. Just feel your lungs and your belly expand. And just take a couple of breaths there. And go to the collarbone. And just uh, notice your thoughts. Just let them go by. You don't need to hang on to them. 
are you having any thoughts? Maybe you're not. Maybe it's just the thought of listening to my voice right now. Maybe it's your to-do list. And just making note of it and letting it go by. Know that they're temporary. And then under your arm. And just once again, coming back to your breath. And noticing your breath. And maybe your breathing is a little more expansive than it was when we started. Maybe your nose or lungs are a little more full when you take in a breath. Okay. And that's just kind of a basic orienting, tapping, just kind of noticing things around you, noticing, connecting with yourself and kind of helping you to regulate your nervous system. Really what was that like it. for you? Yeah, it was so relaxing. It's interesting because um, I noticed that during the process, I really, unless you said, you know, look around the wall or unless you said, notice what you were hearing, I really had focused and zoned in on the sound of your voice. And that was sort of my centering point. And, um, mm -hmm. and I, and I really loved this. It was very, you know, different from some tapping that I had experienced before, where it's very focused on, and I know that you do that as well, the, focused on yes. what your, the very specific thoughts and things that are coming up around upset. So I'd never actually experienced the orienting, um, tapping that was, and it's, it's very, um, universal. And so I appreciate you yeah. walking us that. It's just something that you know, you don't have to have the right words to say, because sometimes, as you said, sometimes you don't, you can't find the words in the moment. And when you can't find the words in the moment, it's good mm -hmm. to kind of know that, okay, I can, you know, I can just notice, you know, the things, right? I can just notice mm -hmm. the things and tap, right? I can just yeah. notice and the breathing and what's, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Like I can just notice, mm -hmm. right? And I really just love yeah. that that's so universal. And I appreciate you sharing that with the audience today. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, because as you mentioned, tap, um, when I do my one-on-one -on -one work with clients and even sometimes in group tapping settings, um, we will focus on a specific issue. And, mm -hmm. and unpack that and tap around that. And, mm -hmm. and yes, that kind of deep transformative tapping, but tapping can be used in this kind of more grounding, um, connecting with your body, calming, regulating the nervous system way, um, which mm -hmm. can be really helpful. Man, I just, um, <laughs> it's so interesting, just saw a use for this in the work that I do uh, with one-on-one -on -one clients, you know, like the the, the timeline mm -hmm. therapy work and the hypnosis work that I do, I can imagine, you know, if if, if I get into the space where there's there is a heightened um, emotion that I can help them to release by helping them tap through that while they are actually in the you know in the process. Very very useful layering of technique, and I think that's the beauty of you know, like what we do is that, you know, th yeah. there's, there's this, I think in the, in certain communities, certainly not between in, in my circle of friends, there's this, oh, one thing, one, it's one way or the other way, but there's this usefulness of layering um, tools, layering skills, layering things to, because what, what matters is like really being able to help your client deepen that healing, deepen that, that skill set and move them through whatever challenging process that there is. So I, I just love the, for me, it's a learning in terms of, oh, like there's a new tool, a little layering tool that if I come up on a challenging moment, yeah. then it's like, you know what, let's try this. So I, I, I appreciate that. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me to share it with the audience. Yeah, the more tools that we have, you know, the more tools we have in our toolbox, you know, the more resourced we are. And, and one of the hallmarks of trauma, you know, circling back to that, is that we're not resourced. You know, we're isolated. Uh, we, we feel we, we lack resources. And so yeah. the more tools 
have and the resources we have, the more that we can actually manage our own emotional state and and mm-hmm. uh, and manage our own traumas. And and mm-hmm. certainly, if you're dealing with with a significant trauma, work with a uh, you know a trauma informed and uh, practitioner, whatever modality it is, whether it's EFT, whether it's therapy, whether it's somatic releasing techniques, whatever it may be, because we are, we hold trauma in the body and in our emotional state. And so, uh, so it's important to incorporate some sort of modality that addresses that. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So this has been a wonderful conversation. I know we've had a couple of challenges and, you know, this is life be lifing, as I say, (laughs) and technology be teching. And so, (laughs) and so, but, but I think this is just a beautiful conversation, valuable conversation and, um, and just wonderful that, that you were able to share these tools with my audience and I'm looking forward to how they will respond. And, and, you know, I always ask for feedback from the listeners, like, okay, share with, share with us how you have utilized this. How has it been for you? You know? So thank you. And, and here's the thing. I want people to know how they can get in touch with you. If number one, they want to work directly with you, like in, in coaching, Two, they want to invite you to speak, you know, um, or for my yes. my fellow podcasters. Yes, without the glitches, without the glitches, right? Right, right, right. Well, we do have all of this that we will put in the podcast notes. So let me just say that in advance. So for the people who are listening, you know, we we yes. we are claiming glitch free, and we will have all this information in the in the in the the, the show notes. Yes, yes. So. Um, it definitely, uh, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram at Melissa Hankins, MD, uh, and, uh, um, absolutely reach out to me, message me there. You can email me at hello at Melissa Hankins I'm actually, you know, I've just been so slow about getting the site up, but you know, that's actually on my agenda, my website, mm-hmm. uh, because I've got some actually very big speaking engagements coming up this, uh, mm-hmm. in, in a few months. And I just, uh, really want to, in, in the coaching sphere, in the coaching world, world uh, speaking around trauma so so there there's that so please feel free to dm me i offer a free consultation uh to people so if you want to um reach out and dm me message me on either then is probably the best uh but but instagram as well uh that would be great i'm happy to talk with you and see if working together would be a good fit uh and um yeah i'm just i i appreciate being here and speaking with your audience and we will put this in in the the show notes i do want to just also uh, a shout out to my uh, fellow physicians, and uh, I wanted to just show. There's a book that I'm a co-author in, and it's a compilation of stories, stories from female physicians thriving after burnout, and strategies that they actually use to get on the other side of it. And so some are remaining in clinical medicine, some are outside of and, and switched over into something else like I have, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's over 51 uh, physicians who've mm-hmm. shared their stories. And um, I'm really happy to be a part of that. So Very, very cool. Yes, I've seen the book. Congratulations. And if I understand, yes. you all are bestsellers yes. now. Is that correct? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, best-selling authors, and it's just it. You know, it really is really wanting to help others to know, and it's it's not just for physicians. I think yeah. anybody who's going through burnout, especially in a kind of you know high-performing field, they will see themselves in in some of these stories, and mm-hmm. and in these stories are also some tools for how to manage it. So I think it, it's a really uh, important book, not, not just for the medical field, but for those outside of it. 
Awesome. 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 So you heard her. We will be putting the link to the book in the show notes, as well as the link to your article as well. We have all yes. of the, the, the ways to connect with Dr. Hankins, you know, check her out on LinkedIn, check her out on Instagram, and we will have the link to schedule the free consultation call should you choose to do so. So thank you again for sharing the space with me, having this wonderful conversation. I do appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too. All, yeah. Always, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you all, you know, as you go about your, your week um, to practice these new this new tool of tapping let us know how it goes you know that you can reach out to me on any of these platforms uh, at dr maisha so whether it's youtube whether it's instagram whether it's facebook or whether it's linkedin you all have access to me you know where i am and you can also uh, leave a review and i encourage you to leave a review of this episode if you liked it and you could utilize it and this works, I want you to leave a review and let us know how'd it go and pass it on to someone else, a colleague, a family member, a friend, because we want to make sure that we're paying it forward. So thank you again. Of course, without the listeners, there is no podcast. <clears throat> As always, you know, I am committed to seeing you empowered because for me, you are the bridge to the next generation of empowered and resilient leaders. And you know that that's what I'm committed to, the next generation, this generation and the next. And so I will see you on the next episode. Namaste, y'all. Hey, have you ever thought about learning NLP or hypnosis or even being a coach? Even if you simply learn the skills of coaching, it could come in handy everywhere and in every area of your life. Our Mind Remapping NLP Coach Training will give you mastery over language, helping you to improve your confidence, communication, coaching, and leadership. So if you're committed to removing unconscious blocks so you can consciously elevate your performance in every area of life, join our next training. Schedule and training interest call at remapmymind.today. That's remap my mind dot today. Hey, thanks for listening. Remember, I want you to apply these principles in your life every day. But also, I want you to share this podcast with others in your life who you think it could help a friend, a colleague, or family member. And remember, Go hit the subscribe button so you will know when our next episode is released. Finally, I'd really appreciate if you did me a favor and left a review. It really lets others know that this podcast can make a difference in their life as well. See you on the next episode.